Coming up on today's Compassion Radio. Let's say that the news was that Putin's gone. He's pulled out. Maybe Putin goes to his generals and says, oh, I never had anything to do with this. They gave me bad advice and I'm, you know, pulling Russia out. I'm going to be a hero. Okay, let's just say that happened. Once we actually get to go in and see the devastation in Ukraine, you're looking at something that's a decade, two decades of reconstruction. So this kind of outreach that we're doing here, this is just the beginning. We don't need just a team of three and 12. We need a team of 12 and another team of 12 and another team of 12. And we need to have folks going over and helping for years to come. The kingdom of God is in the middle of the action, no matter where in the world you find yourself. And this is the daily radio broadcast that's here to tell that story. I'm Bram Floria, your host, and thanks so much for tuning our way today. For the last nine months, Ukraine has withstood the onslaught of one of the world's largest armies, led by a man determined to keep his neighbor from seeking freedom and prosperity for itself and for their children after them. And we'll be telling our grandkids about what the world was like back then. Hopefully the story you'll tell in years to come includes a healthy dose of testimony of God's faithfulness and provision. How you played a part in saving lives, healing nations, and living out the Word of God in transformative ways. If it hasn't already started for you, I hope you'll seek the Lord Himself on how you should, could, and will become part of His solution to the death and destruction that's raining down on an innocent nation and all the millions of Christian believers as well who are enduring it patiently with a hope that is dearly tested. Friends, God's kingdom is very much active in the trenches, sometimes literally. And they're praying bold prayers for today, tomorrow, and for a future that's about to be born. Today and tomorrow, we'll focus on one such ministry standing as a lighthouse and an island of safety in the middle of a tidal wave of Ukrainian refugees. I hope their story will inspire you to give generously to our Serve Ukraine project as we finish this month of November. Today, we're talking with a friend of ours we met along the way, a guy who's been involved with ministry in the weirdest places, which is where Compassion Radio loves to go. He was bringing cups of hot tea to guys that were sitting along the side of the road, and God opened up all kinds of doors of opportunity and created a whole international church in his part of Poland. Richard Dungesser, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you so much, Brian, for having us. It's good to be with you again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got some friends with you that are sitting across town from where you are in Poland, and they're getting ready to head back to the United States after an intensive week of work with you doing a new project we did not talk about last time. That has to do with housing for refugees. So I'm going to let you do a quick introduction of this team and then tell me what you guys have been up to. Okay. Well, the team is from uh, Perimeter Church, just north of Atlanta. And we've been partners with the church. We first met them going back to 2002, uh, met them here in Poland. So we've had quite the relationship over the years, and the friendship continues to develop. So it's it's wonderful to have this partnership with them. When the war broke out this year and seeing the need for housing, my wife had this uh, vision to create these tiny homes, Mm -hmm. to put them up as quickly as possible with the tiny homes versus a normal house. We can build them much quicker here in Poland. We don't have to get the normal permits that can take up to a year. So we're able to build it before winter. All right. The time frame is the thing we're really after here because 
It's cold where I am in North Idaho right now, and I know that the winds come a yeah. lot stronger across Ukraine and Poland and Belarus and that part of Central Europe. So you're up against the wall big time. But you've got a lot of people to try to house and a lot of little nooks and crannies got to fit it in. But the government is working with you on this. Yes. So we met with the, the mayor of the town near us to help speed the, the process of everything. So we were able to get the permission that was needed to speed up this process. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons it's so important, too, when we started passing out the cups of tea back in 2001, those three cups of tea that you mentioned at the train station, that's where everybody huddled together mm-hmm. to try to get out of the, the cold. But that first winter, we didn't realize until after the winter was over just how tragic it was. But more than 300 people froze to death in Poland. Wow. So that wasn't during a war. In public spaces. Yeah. So even at the train station, we would be meeting with people. And, and one night we'd see one of the homeless people that, you know, we're friends with. Next day is like, hey, where's Swavik? Oh, he froze to death. Mm-hmm. He didn't make it last night. So we saw some of that take place even in the, the ministry with the people that we we're working with. But we didn't realize it would be 300 people that winter for the country of Poland. Yeah. So we think about what's taking place in Ukraine with the war raging on, knowing that those numbers can be even higher. You got like 300 people a minute pouring in from Ukraine into Poland at this point. Oh, yeah. Even back in March, there's 100,000 a day. So with that kind of volume coming in, and a lot of them sticking there in Poland, because I know so many of them wanted to stay near their country and not have to go all the way deep into the West. They really want to go home. Who doesn't? Sure, yeah. What's the scope of it all now? How many people are you trying to reach that God's put in your lap now with this crisis? Well, with this crisis, we have already reached thousands and thousands of people in varieties of ways, providing shelter, uh, medical care here in Poland and in Moldova and in Ukraine. So the war took place on February 24th. Hmm. On the 25th, we had a humanitarian truck loaded already headed for Ukraine. So it's been like this going on a lot throughout the country of Poland, in Ukraine itself and in Moldova. All right. You got a team sitting here. I'm seeing on the bottom screen of my Zoom call, your perimeter team. These are folks that already love you guys, and now they've been called up to a new level of involvement. And I imagine probably some sore thumbs and hammers swinging, all kinds of sore muscles to go with construction. These guys may or may not have construction experience. I don't know. You can describe that. But introduce them. Let's find out why they're here. Yeah. So these three guys, actually, they've all been to Poland already before. Awesome. Um, I had the privilege to meet John and Kevin in June, in July. They came out on mission teams, and Thad went in June to Warsaw. So we hadn't met yet until this trip. John, Kevin, and Thad, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, John Colgrove here in uh, Peachtree Corners, Georgia, and I go to Perimeter Church, too. Awesome. Next. Yeah, Kevin Hudson um, from Duluth, Georgia, also a member at Perimeter Church. And Thad Huffman, Alpharetta, Georgia, also attend Perimeter Church. Okay, now you guys are probably not just in the realm of the needs that Richard has all the time. You probably have jobs and lives and careers and stuff. What do you all do, and what have you been doing that is like what you know, and what things have you been doing in Poland that you had never had any experience with before? Absolutely. So I'm a financial planner, and uh, so I help clients with retirement planning and investments. And so that has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in Poland right now. (laughs) Uh, The only common trait that I have to that is that I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the need was brought forth to our church to help, I was absolutely struck that moment that I Mm. was supposed to go. And I'm someone that I don't like to travel. I don't hate it. I just don't seek it. And uh, in that moment, I knew I was supposed to go. And that June represented my first trip to Europe. Wow. And here you stand having completed a construction project, which we'll dive into shortly. But okay, Kevin, Thad, what do you guys do for a living? 
Um, I have a roofing company back in uh, Georgia, but uh, I've learned some new construction skills here. Oh, but you have. <laughs> so for sure. Earlier this summer, um, my wife and my son were here and we did some, some ministry with Bread of Life. And uh, I knew then if I had another chance to come this year or next, I would certainly try and do it. Awesome. All right, Thad, you? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, involved in the property casualty business. Oh, okay. In the States. And kind of same with John and Kevin. I'd never been, uh, at least in Europe, on a mission trip. I've been to Europe, but you know, I've been following the Ukraine-Russian uh, war and all the uh, refugees that was pouring into Poland and uh, just felt compelled to come and help and give my time uh, to to those less fortunate. If I could help one person, then you know that's great. I imagine the closer you get to where the war is happening, the more you're getting a sense of casualty all around you. You were not in a place in Poland that's being bombed, but you're hearing the stories of all those that you're helping now that you could just hear by their word descriptions, probably, the kind of financial burden they're going to face when they go back, because you know these numbers. You know what it's like mm-hmm. to have to rebuild lives and build incomes and build communities and build careers. You have probably a deep sense of that. And I imagine that's probably, for you, Thad, something that's a spiritual burden in some ways, because you have a knowledge of these things, and you can see in their eyes what they probably cannot see yet, what's ahead of them. So you got one guy here that's got some experience throwing bundles up on top of roofs and stuff, and you have a new construction project in front of you. And it's not a kit thing, but it's a plan. What did Richard tell you guys to build, and did you get it done? Well, when we uh, arrived on the uh, on scene, we basically talked to the professionals and that would be those folks that are actually doing, you know, the normal constructing. We just basically went up to them and said, all right, what do you need us to do? Mm-hmm. Good start. It, it would seem that the construction people just absolutely love the idea of uh, insulation, but they sacrificially gave that up so that we could do that and breathe fiberglass for about two to three days. We laugh about that. But yeah, we were up in the in the second story. What to us would feel like an attic. Yeah. Uh, installing insulation, stapling it in, roping it in, plasticing it, I mean, you name it. And we breathed, we still had fiberglass on us now and had an absolute blast. Before we go back to the program today, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. We're here to bring you real good news in every situation. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478 to make your gift. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. As we're highlighting in today's story, we're focused on the needs of Ukrainian refugees and working with Christian ministries already in place across Ukraine, Poland, and Romania as they demonstrate the kind of faith that Jesus expects, accepts, and makes possible. I hope you'll join us in that work with as generous a gift as you can and that you'll do so right away. Thank you so much. And now back to today's special program. We still have fiberglass on us now and had an absolute blast. Oh, itchy, I can see it on your face now. now oh, of course, everywhere, yeah. The only other construction <laughs> discipline I think it even compares with the joy of insulation is probably doing a drywall. But other than that, those two hard tasks are things that you get done quick and dirty if necessary. You get the timbers up or you get the panels up, that kind of stuff. You got handed the yeoman's work having to stuff fiberglass in the corners. And you'll probably be feeling that all the way back to Atlanta. 
What did you guys learn by stepping into a job that was the least desirable of all the construction projects this week? That, Kevin, you don't want. I didn't consider it the least desirable. It was probably least desirable from the professional standpoint. Okay. Uh, but from our standpoint, we were here to help and to, to do whatever needed to be done, Good. whether it was digging ditches, uh, building a deck, or in this case, install insulation. It's moving the project a step forward mm-hmm. and, you know, with the goal of getting some cold families off the streets and out of people's living rooms, if mm. you will, where they're sleeping uh, or in shelters into a home that's heated and, you know, uh, and something they can feel a part of as their own home. Okay. You have a number of buildings you're working on. How many did Richard throw at you this time and how many more do you expect this project to be in in his area of ministry? We have two tiny homes on the facility where we're at right now. And uh, one of them, by the way, our church actually sponsored and paid for to get going. Uh, so those are the two that we're working on right now and uh, enjoying every minute of it when we did it. And hope to be done by the end of November. Awesome. With three more uh, slated with the hopes of having 10 done. Very good. And 10 homes by what time? Um, two at the end of this month. Right. The other eight, uh, I have to refer to Richard on that timeline. Yeah, as soon as God provides the funds, we almost have funds for the third, and we hope soon a fourth. So as people continue to give, we can we can build as quickly as we get the, the funding. But yeah, total of 10 homes. Okay, now let me ask you a theoretical question for you, Richard. The mm-hmm. the naysayers out there might say, why spend so much money to actually build a home? These are refugees. They want to go back to their homes eventually anyway. Why spend the amount of money it would take to build a more permanent structure that has that kind of quality or that level of refinement? when you could just be putting up a tent camp to house many more people with the same amount of money. What's the response to that? Yeah, um, I haven't really seen tents here in Europe for the cold. I'm sure they could probably do that for the refugees. But when it comes to moving people out of the cold, like children, families, homes, one of the aspects that we're trying to do is not just provide like permanent housing for them. We want to get them at a level where they can actually move on with their life. Hmm help them get integrated into society, help them find jobs, help them get connected to the next apartment and house flat that they need, get connected to the schools to learn the language. And so they really need a a foundation to build upon to do that. So we just had a family living at our new life center. The house is really more of like 14 people. Okay, We had 28 uh, crowded inside the house. Um, One family came, had six children. Uh, She was pregnant with the seventh. So she just gave birth in May. And they just moved out yesterday. Um, they got their own home. So we were able to help them um, get in society, get connected, help them with documentation, help them find work. And they just literally moved out. So now we're able to move the next family into the new life center and then soon move them into these wooden homes. And it's wonderful because the, the wooden homes are also connected to bread of life as a whole, what we do by trying to help integrate people into society. Because we started with homelessness trying to move homeless people back into society as productive citizens. And that's over the past few years you've been working on all that. Yeah, since 2001, we've been doing that. And we realized over the years that 60% of the homeless people that we were working with came from an orphanage, Mm. and the rest came from very dysfunctional families. So we've been trying to target youth and children and prevent homelessness as a whole so they don't even have to experience that, help them go on to college, break that cycle in their family. So even if the war finishes, which we pray it finishes quickly, yes. and Ukrainians leave, 
And even though they can go back home, many of them have no homes to go back to. They're they're destroyed. They're gone. Yeah. And it won't be for a long time. Yeah. What you're actually learning is a skill set and a item list and a cost base. You have some experience now of what it really takes to do it in your country. I imagine the skill sets and sending teams to do that in Ukraine someday when they're actually at peace might be something that would be an extension of your ministry going forward. Yeah, yeah. So even working with like the, the continuation of working with like Polish youth that are troubled that need the help, we have mm-hmm. a whole new society here of Ukrainian youth that have been traumatized that also need the help. So these tiny homes are going to serve as as camps for these teenagers, for these families, these boys awesome. and girls to get them back up, build them up in in Christ, uh, to get them back to society as as productive citizens, and hopefully back to Ukraine to their home country where they probably most likely want to go. And now this team from Perimeter, these guys, John, Kevin, Thad sitting in front of us, have had the responsibility of rubbing fiberglass into their hairlines and their armpits, and they're going to feel this for a while. Uh, I want to ask you guys, having done this particular job, you've seen the scope of it. You see what they're up to. You've met the people that could be actually benefited by being able to live in the place that your hands have touched. What did you expect when you got there to do this job, and how did that live up to what you actually experienced and what's a lesson that God gave you that you were not expecting to learn? I'll start that off. The prayer that I had when I went on both of these mission trips in Poland this year was very simple. And then I just said to God, I just asked him, I said, God, here I am. Use me. Yeah. That was it. Good. And and I'll tell you what, he's answered it a thousand times over. Okay, give me one. Give me one example. Well, the number one thing is that when we do something like this, I mean, I, I think most people are going to be almost an attic situation doing insulation, probably might not like it or might complain about it. And we feel like God's been glorified and we absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, Good it's news. absolutely fantastic. You know, if someone told us we're washing dishes or digging ditches to Thad's point, I, we would feel absolutely blessed and honored to, for yeah. a moment in time, stand and be part of the answer of someone's prayer. There you go. That's that's a great way to put it. Yeah. You guys, tell me what it's like. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what I expected. I, that one's hard to answer. We had a conversation with a, a lady, and uh, we actually met her this summer, and her husband was still in Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, working at a high-security place. And um, once we left, later in the summer, he was making his way to Ukraine and, and finally made it here, as you can imagine, very risky. Yes, and, uh, and then we got to speak to them both the other night, mm-hmm. and it was just amazing. Um, of course, all the trials that he went through and they went through as a family, with family still in Ukraine. I've never experienced war personally. I've never mm-hmm. experienced hunger personally or freezing to death, freezing cold, not one night. And so it's just humbling to listen to someone. And they have joy in their hearts now. Of course, they have trials, but... It was amazing to hear. I'm glad you made the effort to hear the stories because it's easy to kind of get in your own bubble, even on a mission trip and say, I'm not sure how I can cope with all this weirdness of people that I can't understand anyway. So let me just focus on the job. Yeah. When you're there to focus on the people and what God's really saying and what he's going to warm your heart to and bring you into real kingdom work. And then you find out what Richard's been up to for the past 20 years. The guy has been looking at the face in front of him, seeing Jesus everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, Thad, what was your experience compared to your expectations? Uh, really very similar. My expectations was, you know, we were going to be building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know we were going to be doing insulation, but that's part of the building process. Right. Um, so any part of the building process was my expectation. I came basically, um, I was in Warsaw 
And I experienced some of the feelings and the depth of the hurt that the Ukrainian mm. people were feeling. And I just felt compelled to come back and, and, and help uh, however I could. And, and like I said, if you, if you help one person that's yeah. less fortunate than you, it's worth the trip over. Yeah. You're taking those stories back to tell your church because you're supposed to be not just giving an account for the investment they made by probably helping to send you there to do the work, but also to help prime the pump for others who want to stay involved with their family around the world. And Richard's given you a great front door to do incredibly important work in this generation for missions that's happening all across Asia. There's a lot of, I know, evangelical outreach and stuff happening just because of the transformed lives that Richard and his family have seen over the years through Red of Life. What is your hope, guys, for having done this experience, and what do you hope for what you're going to be able to tell your people when you get home? I, I say sharing the story is really important uh, for them to see the passion in you is important, because one of the things is that, you know, from these seeds, these mustard seeds, we have to have mm-hmm. some great things grow from this. And yeah. by God's grace, it will, uh, mm-hmm. because the thing is, this is just the beginning. And building a tiny home is really, really helpful, and building 10 is really helpful, but the, the vacuum that I think may very well be occurring, if we heard today, let's just say today, there was a, a, a news story that we had uh, one part of Ukraine that was uh, liberated. I don't know which. Uh, Richard, you might remember it better than I do. Kherson got liberated today. Um, yeah, okay. So let's just <clears throat> say that it wasn't just that. Let's say that the news was that Putin's gone. He's pulled out. Maybe Putin goes to his generals and says, oh, I never had anything to do with this. They gave me bad mm-hmm. advice. I'm hanging the generals and I'm, you know, pulling Russia out. I'm going to be a hero. Okay. Okay. Let's just say that happened. Once we actually get to go in and see the devastation in Ukraine, you're looking at something that's a decade, two decades of reconstruction. So this kind of uh, outreach that we're doing here, this is just the beginning. And so we want to impress this upon our church too, because we don't need just a team of, of three and 12 We need a team of 12 and another team of 12 and another team of 12. And we need to have folks going over and helping for years to come. Yeah, which may be God's way of uniting the family like it hasn't been in a thousand years. Right. There's more coming up tomorrow with Richard Ungesser and the latest volunteer team to help Ukrainian refugees through the Bread of Life Ministries in Poland. I hope you'll tune in then.
There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. I hope you'll take time today to drop us a note through our website or by email. You can reach me directly at the following address, bramfloria at CompassionRadio.com. However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Remember, friends, your giving this month doesn't just support this unique media ministry. Every dime beyond our baseline budgeting is going to support the relief and rebuilding efforts in war-torn regions of Ukraine, led by wonderful Christian ministries already on the ground and doing tremendous work. I strongly encourage you to give above and beyond this month so we can make the most impact possible. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Call one 800 868 2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com. We're waiting for you, friends. Hop on board.